Welcome aboard Flight 1969, service to Jet Nation Radio. Look at what a leader this guy is. Both is fighting for his job this year. This is what quarterbacks are made of. Doug Middleton, get a 50-yard onside kick. How stupid can you possibly be making that much money? Folks, grab a snack. Let's go to eat a goddamn snack. And join Joe Blewett and Glenn Naughton for Jet Nation Radio. <laughs> something together because we we're gonna have a special guest tonight as we all know the the number one story in Jets land at the moment be it Twitter or Facebook or the the forums on Jet Nation is the uh, pending free agency of quarterback Kirk Cousins Washington Redskins quarterback coming off a seven and nine season and a lot of speculation that he will become the highest paid quarterback in the NFL something a lot of people seem to be against, but there are also plenty of people in favor of it. Uh, As we all know, there has been a decades-long drought at the quarterback position for the Jets, minus minus the odd season here and there where they get some quality play. But consistency at the position, someone who can play at a high level, something we haven't had in forever. So we thought, who better to bring on with us tonight than Kimberly Martin? who currently covers the team as a beat writer. Prior to her time with the Redskins, she had a short stint in Buffalo. But then before that, with Newsday, I uh, had a, a few years with the Jets, had the opportunity to speak briefly with her once or, once or twice at training camp. So uh, Kimberly's joining us here tonight for a few minutes before she gets ready to head off to Indianapolis to cover the Combine. So let's go ahead and bring her on. And uh, how you doing tonight, Kimberly? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks. Thanks uh, so much for joining us. I know that this is a very busy time for uh, for you and, and your fellow writers getting ready to, to ramp up and cover the <laughs> yeah. Combine. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll try not to take up too much of your time, but as I'm sure you're well aware, this is a, a hot topic with Jets fans, uh, the Kirk Cousins situation. Uh, whether or not he comes here, you know, we'll, we'll find out in the coming weeks and months. But uh, just mm-hmm. thought it would be a good idea to get you on. You're familiar with the environment in New York, obviously, uh, maybe even more so than Washington. You've been there for for a little little less than a full season. But uh, mm-hmm. but you had a chance to, to watch Kirk Cousins up close um, on a regular basis and get a feel for him in the locker room and the feeling, you know, how he, uh, how his teammates feel about him. The uh, And, you know, there's some myths and, at least, you know, a lot of things we, we're hearing said about Kirk Cousins that – some are patently false, and others are, you know, clearly just opinion. But, but, but to jump into it, what it, during your time in Washington, what has your impression been of him, in terms of his not just his play on the field, but his, you know, his his conduct or his, you know, his leadership qualities off the field in the locker room, things like that. Yeah, you know, it was an it was an interesting time to start covering the Redskins. Um, I think I started end of November covering them, and it was my third NFL team in three months. So it was towards the end of the season. So um, they had, the Redskins had a lot of injuries. 
Um, so it's, it's, it was hard to gauge, um, you know, uh, the offense as a whole because they went through so many running backs, so many injuries. It was crazy. But if you look at his stats, I think it was impressive what he was able to do given um, he lost his first ring running back, second. Um, he's down a, a rookie running back and, and some other filling guys. Uh, his left tackle was hurt a lot. And, um, so I, I, think, I think Kurt did an admirable job in, in, in considering, you know, all the moving parts. And his, his tight end, like losing Jordan Reed was a big deal. Um, Jordan was not at all healthy um, to start the season, and he ended up on IR too. So I think, you know, I think you can debate whether Kirk Cousins is – You can people can debate whether he's worth – all the money that he's about to get. Um, but I think you do have to at least give him credit for, for what he was able to do when you just look at his stats. Um, I think it was hard to get a feel for how he was as a leader and a locker room guy, only because by the time I came to the team, you know, his contract situation, it kind of still dominated the talk. Um, all season long, it was almost like the elephant in the room. And you had, I believe it was Chris Thompson, one of his injured running backs. Um, you know, he was he was on the radio somewhat recently saying, like, he got, you know, guys kind of got mixed messages about whether Kirk wanted to return. And I think the relationship with the Redskins front office and Kirk, um, as much as Kirk said all the quote-unquote right things in the media, um, you just got the feeling that it's just better if if both sides just go their separate ways. Um, so I never got the impression that, that Kirk was going to be back this year. And I think the Alex Smith trade, you know, further solidified that. And that, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the, the relationship with the front office because that's one thing. I've said this a few times on Twitter, uh, did one or two articles on it and, and mentioned it. And I, I can't get my head around the number of fans, the number of times I hear Jets fans say, why would we want a guy whose own team didn't want him? I mean, this, this Redskins team, Bruce Allen went on Twitter and sent out a, a tweet from the team's official site last year explaining, here's what we have offered Kirk. It's a boatload of money. He hasn't answered, and he hasn't countered. Like, to me, that was a sign to me that he wanted out all along. The Redskins were doing everything they could. They've paid him $45 million over two years. You don't pay a guy $45 million over two years and offer him record-breaking money if you don't want him. They wanted him, obviously, but, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But I, if I had a nickel for every time somebody tells me that we shouldn't want a guy that his own team didn't want, it, it's unbelievable. But um, in terms of some of the, the criticisms, uh, you know, um, Jay Gruden came out. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't overly critical, but he clearly – it seemed as if he was taking a bit of a shot – at Kirk Cousins on the way out the door by saying, you know, well, he's good, but we were seven and nine. So how good could right, he be? Right, right, that, right, you know, right, right, I'm right. paraphrasing. But I kind of look at that and the way Kirk Cousins played and the circumstances you mentioned. And what would they have been without him? I mean, we, we'll never know right. that. But that, that could have been a, right. a two or three win team. Right. And I think because um, Jay, Jay took some heat for um, his tepid um, endorsement of Kirk with the, that sort of comment, like, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, you're only as good as your record kind of thing. I think, Jay, sometimes um, I think head coaches are in tough spots when it's like you don't want to single out a guy with high praise um, or 
a lot of criticism either. It is a team game. Um, I think when, you know, when you're talking a little bit ago about the front office, the Redskins front office, and the dynamic here I find so fascinating because they drafted, the Redskins drafted Kirk Cousins to be the backup to RG3. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Redskins made it clear RG3 was the guy, this is the new face, and we just need like a, you know, a solid backup in case. And so Kirk Cousins throughout his whole life has just sort of been, a, I don't want to just say just a guy, but he's never been that, that, that player that everybody was clamoring for, that everybody was like, oh, my God, he's so great. Like, we need him. Even in his own organization, um, you just sort of felt like there was never quite that, uh, yes, this long-term, like, this is our guy. We know that he, we believe in him, and he is going to be the answer. If we just surround him with good pieces, like, we can, we can go on a run. Like, you never got that feeling, even with the negotiations. At some point, with the quarterback position, I think if you know, if you're all in on a guy, then you'll make it work. You can always debate later, oh, did, that, did, did, did it work out? Maybe not. But I, I at least want to see organizations have a strong conviction on their quarterback. And I never got that impression. Um, and I think when talking about Kirk, you know, there's just some quarterbacks, like when it's the fourth quarter, you got three minutes, two minutes, you need a score. You need to go 99 yards down the field. Are you confident that your quarterback can get you that game-winning touchdown? There are, we already know who the quarterbacks are where you feel 100% confident. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, like you, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, even Cam Newton, like it, you know certain quarterbacks, like you may not win the game, but from until the very end, you believe like, all right, we've got a shot as long as we have this guy. I think Kirk is capable of that game-winning touchdown, but he is also, because he likes to sling it a little, he is also capable of throwing that back-breaking, I can't believe what he just did, interception that red zone pick you know um that end zone pick that you just sort of scratch your head so I think that's why there's so much debate over like is he is he really that good look around at the other quarterbacks in the league um I understand Jets fans um there are some Jets most of the Jets fans in my timeline are all on the Kirk Cousins (laughs) Cousins chain um but there are fans that hit me up that say you know what I don't get it I don't why would we want to spend money on this guy well, look at your other options. You know, you want, you want to know, hey, can this guy get us in the playoffs? Do we have a shot? Can we make a run? Do we have enough pieces? Um, and I think Kirk at least gives you that, um, that, that feeling like, okay, we could be a, a playoff contender. I think, though, with the Jets, unlike some of the other teams that are in contention for Kirk Cousins, The Jets aren't built to win now. So if I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm looking at this. I would look at this like, "Mm, I know the Jets would throw a lot of money at me, but really a lot of teams would. Um, I know the front office, you know, would be good guys that, you know, I would want to play for. Um, Can I be okay if we're just, if we're a year away, you know what I mean? From being a real contender. Um, I don't know what the answer is. If you're looking at the Jets compared to the Vikings or, or the Broncos, I, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough call. I guess money 
could determine everything, but Kirk has made it clear he wants to get paid and he wants to be on a contender. Like, he wants to win for the long haul. So, uh, I don't know if the yeah, and that's, really you know, still right now. Yeah, I, I think the probably the most important thing about what you said is that the offers are going to be there. He's going to have several offers. It, it's not as if, you know, the Jets are going to be able to blow anybody out of the water, even with all the cap space they have, you know, unless they, right. they do something, you know, unthinkable and give him $40 million a year annually. But, I mean, he's going to be in the high 20s, low 30s, and he'll probably have that offer from three or four teams. So he'll kind of have the, you know, the team of his choosing. But um, without, I, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, we'll just, just end on uh, with – with a two-part question kind of thing, let's say, um, let's say free agency kicks off and your phone rings and it's Mike McCagnan and he says, he says, Kimberly, <laughs> I'm having a really tough time making this decision. I know that you know more than anybody else to cover this team over the last few years. Should true, I true. make Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins an offer at $30 million a year? That's the first question. And the second one is where do you think he ends up? I'll tell you right now, I don't think he ends up with the Jets. Um, and, and part of, you know, part of me, because Jets fans want him so badly, I could just see their hearts getting broken if he goes somewhere else. But, um, honestly, I think he would, I think Minnesota has a good chance. Um, I actually can see him going to Denver, uh, more so than, than the Jets. Um, only because I'm looking at it when now, um, if Mike McCagnan were to call me, um, I would say, throw the money at him sure um because really (laughs) this team has been i mean i I was around the jets since 2009 when when rex first got there so i saw Mm -hmm. rex and sanchez to tebow gino you know um i've seen matt sims come in the door like i've seen Mm -hmm. so many different guys that why not i mean in all seriousness i know it's a lot of money but the cap goes up every year and it's all relative if this guy performs well or above your expectations then i don't think personally i don't think you can argue that he's overpaid the same way josh mccown the way he played last year oh josh mccown kind of looks like a steal like well, oh he's kind of good i wouldn't mind seeing mm-hmm. him back well now you have a guy who's younger than josh mccown um who if you surround him with the right pieces going forward, I think if you're the Jets, you convince him, like, we have a future. And you, have, you can have a stake in the direction of this franchise. Um, this is a young team that is hungry. You know, that's sort of – you can't sell them on, well, you know, we have a good shot at being the Patriots this season. It's like, okay, come on. <laughs> right. um, you kind of sell them on the long-term view. So I would say, yeah, pay him $30 million because – if you don't have a court, the Jets have had three and four quarterbacks on their roster. And if you have that many, you don't have one. So I think it makes sense to, to go out and, and, and say, look, we're in it. to we're in it to try to win as many games as possible and build off of this. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I'm often taken aback by the, the fans that I see. They, they say it so flippantly as if it's just that easy um, let's just draft one and develop him, as if it's that right. simple. Um, well, how many quarterbacks have they tried and failed ago. that with? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and I hear that, I hear people say that, that signing Kirk Cousins would be a same old Jets move, and I'm thinking never in the history of free agency has a quarterback of this caliber at this age and healthy hit free agency. This would be the exact opposite of a same old right. Jets move. Brett Favre is a same old Jets move. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a same old Jets move. 
Um, this would be, you know, giving them – and you mentioned earlier about feeling like you have a chance at the end of every game, and that's sort of the, the, the you know, the small picture. The big picture is you feel like you have a chance at the playoffs every season with that guy. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. agree wholeheartedly. Thank you so much for your time, Kimberly. Uh, really enjoyed having you on, and uh, good luck moving forward. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. So that was Kimberly Martin. Current beat writer for the Washington Redskins, former beat writer for the New York Jets. Um, really, you know, kind of repeating a lot of the things that a lot of fans have been saying. Again, you know, you do have that, that small segment of the fan base that's, <clears throat> that doesn't want Kirk Cousins because for some reason they think it's just super easy to draft a quarterback and develop him, and it's, you know, it's that simple, and why, why in the world would you pay one? Um, I think Jets fans have had, we've had bad quarterbacks for so long that the thought of, Spending a lot of money on one is, is, is lost on some people. Um, but they just don't seem to realize that that's what happens when you, when you have an opportunity to either sign or re-sign a, a quality quarterback. And we keep hearing the argument, you know, he's not worth the money. He's not, what has he ever won? What has Kirk Cousins ever won? Why should he be the highest paid guy? I got a newsflash for you folks. The top four salaries in the NFL, the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL – have a combined zero Super Bowl rings. The top five has is the fifth of the five is Drew Brees. He's got one. That's it. So we have this sort of weird standard where Kirk Cousins shouldn't get paid because he's never won anything, despite the fact that all the top paid guys have never won anything. It seems at times that fans don't understand. And of course, not all fans, but there's you know a segment of the fan base that doesn't really understand the way free agency works, which it tends to work and always has, at least in the time I've been a sports fan, whether it was baseball or football. When free agency comes, the best player available at his position tends to become the highest paid guy at that position. That's just the way it works. And Kirk Cousins is in a a unique position in that no quarterback of his caliber has ever hit free agency, so we've never seen a bidding war for a guy like this. Now, how crazy it will get remains to be seen. Nobody, you know, nobody wants to see the Jets. You know, we're seeing these crazy reports. They're going to give him $60 million up front. They're going to give him $40 million up front, which, I mean, really, let's face it, they could do it. They have the cap space to make that type of move. If that's what it's going to take to get Kirk Cousins in here, what matters at the end of the day in signing a guy is it's the – it's the average salary. What, what's the guaranteed money, and what does it come out to per year? I don't, you know, if the Jets, if they did something wild and said we're going to give them $50 million, and then in year two we're going to give them 35 but then after that it's going to drop to 20 and then 15 or something along those lines to where the average per year comes out, you know, where he's a top five, six, seven paid guy, you can live with that. You know, people hear $40 million, $50 million, they for some reason automatically think that we're talking about per year for the life of the deal. That's not the way it works. And as we've discussed before, the Jets, with, this, uh, with their salary cap situation, they, now is the best time to do something like that. When, when else are you going to be in a position to offer a guy that type of money and not really have it hurt you? Um, you know, I hear people say, oh, if we give him that money, we can't sign a left tackle, we can't sign this. Yes, you can. You're going to have $100 million in cap space, and you're going to have about the same next year, if not more, when the cap goes up. Right now, the Jets are projected to have $124 million in cap space next year. That's with Muhammad Wilkerson still on the roster. He's going to be gone. 
that 124 realistically jumps into the 130s. Now, of course, that will decline significantly when they sign a bunch of free agents this year. But let's say, hypothetically, they commit $60 million in cap for next season with this year's free agent signings. That still leaves them with you know, $60 million in cap space going into next year. And, that's, and, you know, and other moves can be made then at that point. Again, if you, if you sign Cousins to a deal where he gets what he gets this year, and then that cuts in half the following year if you give him an, an insane amount of money. So there's a lot of ways to make it work. Me personally, you know, do I want Kirk Cousins? Yes. Uh, do, I, do I think he's going to come here? No. I agree 100% with Kimberly Martin. I think he ends up in Minnesota. Um, a lot of people talk about Denver because Denver's a more, you know, they're more ready to win now. In all reality, if what we're seeing, what we're hearing through the media is correct or if it's accurate, they're going to have to get rid of some pretty good pieces to make room for Kirk Cousins. So by doing that, are you still a win-now team? Aqib Tlaib might be an, a, you know, an issue off the field, but he's a damn good player that the Broncos are talking, they're talking about how you know, he's being shopped. If you lose Aqib Tlaib, that's a huge hit to your secondary, um, like him or not on a personal level. That's a damn good player. You know, regularly in the Pro Bowl. So you cut a Pro Bowl corner, your defense just got that much weaker. And who else are you going to have to cut? You know, what other moves are you going to have to make in order to make room for Kirk Cousins? So I think the team that could probably bring him on board with, the, with minimal impact to their, their roster overall is Minnesota. And uh, in the end, I think that's where he goes. So where that leaves the Jets after that, you know, in the free, agent, free agency market. I think at that point, if you lose out on the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, you have to obviously keep looking at the quarterback position, but I don't think there's anybody else you can sign that eliminates the need to take a quarterback at number six overall. Whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum, if, you know, if Buffalo, if, if, I know there's talk that Buffalo's not going to let go of Tyrod Taylor. He, actually, he would be an exception, I think. I think Tyrod Taylor is a good enough player that if he were to be let go and the Jets picked him up, I don't think you need you need to take a quarterback in the first round, maybe the second round. But it's an interesting thing with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor and, and Kirk Cousins, really, both of those guys. And I, I would love to know the psychology. I would love to know the reason why Jets fans, and of course, you know, when I say Jets fans, I don't mean all Jets fans, but too many, uh, really. We get these, we have these terrible quarterbacks of our own. We have you got to live through Mark Sanchez. you got to live through Geno Smith. And they play terrible football. You watch them stink it up every week. And all the excuses come out. He didn't have this. He didn't have – Shoddy was an idiot. Didn't have receivers. Running backs hurt. O-line stinks. All the excuses get rolled out when we're talking about the, the bum quarterbacks the Jets have had. And then when they get an opportunity to get somebody – be it a Kirk Cousins, possibly Tyrod Taylor. It goes the other way. And everyone takes – you just heard Kimberly Martin talking about the situation with Kirk Cousins. O-linemen dinged up regularly. Three, four different running backs. Top receivers get hurt. All the same excuses we made for Geno Smith and Mark Sanchez. But the difference was Kirk Cousins still played quality football. Kirk Cousins still put up big numbers – despite being in the similar situations to Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith, and we want to throw that out the door. 
Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's top two receivers the last couple seasons have been Charles Clay and 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 LaShawn McCoy are his top two receivers. A tight end and a running back. He had Sammy Watkins for a half year while he was dinged up. Even when Sammy Watkins was playing, he was hurt, multiple foot surgeries. He's had, you know, a couple a couple middle-of-the-road receivers. He hasn't had great weapons. When you look at the numbers he's put up, look at what Tyrod Taylor has done with his supporting cast, and look at what Kirk Cousins has done with his supporting cast, and you're going you're gonna to dismiss that, and you want to ignore their circumstances because you're – your record is what it's, you know, you are, you are what your record says you are. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about results. And then when I mention Geno Smith or Mark Sanchez, all I hear is, oh, man, he didn't have any weapons. He got a raw deal. He had a bad OC. His head coach was an idiot. Jay Gruden going to Canton anytime soon? Jay, Jay Gruden is, is all of a sudden this, this, uh, this wizard, and that's the reason why Kirk Cousins was, you know, a productive quarterback? on a bad team with no O-line, no healthy running backs, his number one target out, lost to Sean Jackson at free agency, still put up 4,000 yards, and I'm supposed to believe that he doesn't get a pass, but, oh, poor Mark Sanchez, poor Geno Smith. They didn't have their guys. Just imagine if Dustin Keller had stayed healthy. Oh, they, they, everything would have been so different. It's, I don't get it. It's a, uh, it's a very weird, very weird uh, mindset. Our bad quarterbacks get all the excuses in the world. Other teams good to very good quarterbacks. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear the excuses. That guy's not good enough. What, what's he ever won? That, that, that old line. With, as, as if that makes an ounce of sense when you're talking about a guy who's been a starting quarterback for three years. How long would it take Peyton Manning to win a ring? Six, seven, eight years. It's a you know. I don't get the mindset, and uh, really, at the end of the day, this is this is a decision for the Jets to make. For you know, what type of offer they're going to make to Kirk Cousins, how they're going to structure it. You can only do so much, though. You know, as we discussed, they're going to be big money deals from multiple teams. So it's not as if uh, you're only bidding against one team that doesn't have the same cap flexibility that you have because there are plenty of teams that are going to be able to pay Kirk Cousins enough money to make him, to make him go there, to, you know, to whether it's Minnesota, <clears throat> Denver, wherever it may be. But let's um, – another bit of Jets news today, some, some disturbing news. Um, yet, yet another arrest for the New York Jets. Uh, we all know about the the Robbie Anderson situation. Robbie Anderson now <clears throat> arrested twice. Uh, if you go back to the uh, the music festival or whatever it was last year, and then of, of of course arrested again a few weeks ago for who knows what was it this time driving 400 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone threatening police, screaming at police, whatever it may have been. Just uh, an embarrassing situation. Rashard Robinson, we learned, was arrested during the season for some some candy that was laced with pot. And uh, <clears throat> and now today, Dylan Donahue, rookie linebacker, guy who spent the majority of his season on injured reserve, um, 
far from being a guy who's a who's got a, a lock to make the roster. Uh, you would think guys in that situation might behave a little better, knowing what's at stake, knowing he's not an established guy, and no, I'm not saying that would make it right. I'm simply saying the less security you have in your job, uh, the better you should probably behave to make sure you keep it, and especially a job that's uh, as high-profile and desirable as the job Dylan Donahue has. So Dylan Donahue was apparently out having some drinks with some friends, decided that at, I believe it was 2 a.m., he was going to drive home, and he apparently drove around some uh, some traffic cones to go into the oncoming lane, or to drive into oncoming traffic into the Lincoln Tunnel, causing an accident. He hit a bus, minibus, it was carrying 15 people, four minor injuries, uh, apparently there was a passenger with him who was uh, unruly with police as they arrested Donahue for driving while intoxicated. He failed field sobriety tests. And now we have another member of the New York Jets with a court date. That's three now. That's uh, I said I said earlier on Twitter that the uh, you know how most teams will have their 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 web page. You go to your team web page or the league web page dates to remember. Uh, I think the Jets dates to remember calendar at Florham Park probably looks a little bit different than the one on their website because their uh, their dates to remember are a bunch of court dates. And I see people right away <clears throat> talking about Todd Bowles not having control of his team, three arrests, and you know there have been other issues prior to this. You had the Darren Lee thing uh, at the concert <clears throat> at the concert with Leonard Williams. Uh, you know, no arrest, no no legal ramifications there, but we saw him getting picked up and carried out of a concert for an altercation with a woman, uh, which he was reportedly shouting at her um, before being carried away. Um, and people want to talk about Todd Bowles on that, and I think anybody who listens to this show is well aware of the fact that I am far from a Todd Bowles fan. He's uh, He's got a lot of shortcomings as a head coach, in my opinion, and in the the opinion of of many, many people. But to put this on Todd Bowles, to say, why isn't Todd Bowles running a tighter ship? How could Todd Bowles allow this to happen? Guys, these are grown men. These are grown adult men in their 20s and 30s who are going out and doing these things under their own power. Nobody's forcing them. These are poor decisions that these guys are making. You're going to tell me that 53 guys, hell, your practice squad, 63 guys, you want to count your IR guys, you're up over 70-some guys, that Todd Bowles is is going to be able to, quote-unquote, control 70 grown men who are out scattered across the country doing whatever they want to do? I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, as far all I have to say, listen, who, who... who was it? Was Chandler Jones? We all remember this, right? A few years ago with the Patriots, wasn't he like like half naked, high on synthetic marijuana, outside of a police station, right before the playoffs? Right. And now, now who was his head coach? Yes, Bill Belichick. Now Bill Belichick sent them packing, not long after, but in all reality, that probably had just as much to do with money as it did the drug incident. 
So to sit here and say, oh, Todd Bowles, he's, he's, he's not, he's not, you know, he doesn't run a tight enough ship. Listen, you can only do so much, and especially now, the off season. You know, the off season too. You expect uh, one, one grown man to be able to control another. God knows how many miles away. It just, uh, it, it makes no sense. It's not, I mean, I understand, I get that the question has to be asked because someone is going to ask it, so there's no point in ignoring it, pretending it's not there. You know, it, but, but, but to expect Todd Bowles, again, it, as I said, not a huge fan. Um, wouldn't, would not have minded if he had been let go after the season. Did the team exceed expectations? Yes, they won five games, you know. Some people said they wouldn't win any. Some people said one. I think I said, I think I said the 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 minimum was two. I think I said they'd max out at four. They won five. Um, but when you look at the number of games that were blown on defense, with a defensive mastermind head coach on a team that consistently spends their first round picks on defense, um, and you can't get a stop, you know, three four times, you're blowing games in the fourth quarter. That you know, it may be time to redefine. The, uh, the the you know take another look at that defensive genius label. So I'm not a Todd Bowles apologist. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying that when you're a grown man and you're in charge of other grown men, there's only so much you can do. You know, the, these guys are going to do what they want to do. I mean, look at look no look no further than social media. You know, look, look no further than what these guys do. Some of the things these guys say, and I'm not talking about the Jets. I mean any 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 team in the league with maybe the exception of the Patriots. You consistently see guys saying stuff that, you know, facepalm type stuff, embarrassing, embarrassing themselves, embarrassing the organization. You don't think teams say to these guys, you know, please don't do this, like we can't dictate what you do, but can you please just act like an adult when you're on Twitter, when you're on Instagram, and yet you still see some of the things guys put out there. Um, It's just, there's only so much you can do. So to sit back and expect expect to, a guy to have control over uh, an adult is just it's silly. You know, you, you can only do so much, and you certainly can't police 70, 80 guys. It's not going to happen. So that's enough of him. That's enough of Todd Bowles. That's enough of Dylan Donahue. We might touch on it briefly. Um, as a matter of fact, we will. Uh, I'll try. We won't. We won't go recycle it too much. But um, what we're going to do now? We have Kyle Smith who uh, is a very good friend of the show, often joins us when either myself or Joe can't make it on. So we're going to go ahead and bring Kyle on. Many of you are familiar with his work. How are we doing today, Kyle? Doing excellent, Glenn. I hope you can hear me well, and I hope that uh, gym noise isn't too noisy. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're coming through all right. There's a little bit of background noise there, but uh, it's going to be a shorter show tonight anyway. This, this, this show is more about getting Kimberly Martin on, getting her thoughts on on Kirk Cousins, um, and talking a little bit about the Dylan Donahue situation, which uh, I basically went through it myself just now. But just to get you up to speed, I know you had a busy day. Um, Dylan Donahue apparently at 2 a.m. Uh, this morning was arrested. Uh, he was in a, a, a two-car accident driving into oncoming traffic in the Lincoln Tunnel, um, drunk, and hit a van that was carrying 15 people, four minor injuries, nothing serious, and he was arrested for DWI. So, your thoughts? My God, I mean that's that's pretty bad, and it's it's a shame because 
you know, you look at Donahue, PJF, tall school guy, not entirely athletic at all. You know, one of the things that he supposedly had going with him is this good work ethic, nice kid, family guy. I mean, I remember I put out a after our week three game against the Dolphins, you know, he beat Laramie Tunsil on a couple stats in that game, and I tweeted out a couple uh, video gifts of him beating him, and, you know, all his family members and his coaches are retweeting and stuff. So, you know, he's well-liked by people and stuff. So that's one of the things he has going for him. He is, he is this high-character guy who's going to put his nose to the grindstone and work. Well, I mean, when you go and do this crap, you're a fifth-round draft pick who ended the season with a season into injury, you know, this doesn't spell too well for him. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the point I made. I mean, it's it's not there, there's no situation where doing what he did is right, but when you're a when you're like Dylan Donahue, you're a fifth round pick, and you're not guaranteed a roster spot, and you go out and do that. And I, I think I also mentioned what, as you said, you, you finish the season on IR as a fifth rounder, and, and this is what you're doing. Not not a great move on his part. Not a great look at all. Not at all. And, so for me, yeah, it's to be so, seen what's um, going to happen with him. Yeah, I mean, does he get a second chance? He's, the Jets now, just to keep you updated, um, maybe maybe put this in your calendar if you're interested. I mentioned this briefly. Uh, between Richard Robinson, Robbie Anderson, and uh, Dylan Donahue, the Jets now have three court dates coming up in the near future. So um, they're, uh, as I said a minute ago, their they're, uh, dates to keep an eye on are probably a little bit different than the ones on their webpage. But um, it's just, it, it's beyond frustrating. It seems like with this team, they can't go more than a week or two without, uh, you know, obviously not quite that bad. But it's, and it's always got to be something spectacular. Uh, between what Robbie Anderson says to the cop's wife or Dylan Donahue, not not just a DWI, but a DWI because you caused an accident. And you didn't just cause an accident. You caused it driving into oncoming traffic and a tunnel. Like, people could have been killed legitimately. So, really, not a good day for him, but he should be counting himself lucky because he could be he could be facing far worse charges than DWI for that. So um, absolutely. But anyway, a- anyway, moving right along, we'll uh, one thing I wanted to cover, talk to you about a little bit today, um, because you know the the combine's coming right around the corner, and uh, there's all this talk about Kirk Cousins. There's all this talk about you know any other potential quarterback the Jets could get, whether it's you know, do you take a Mayfield or an Allen or, you know, whatever quarterback falls to you with six. But uh, you, you can't rule out the possibility that uh, somebody trades up ahead of the Denver Broncos to grab that Indianapolis Colts with the three. And, uh, and you know, if, if four or five quarterbacks go and before the Jets even get a chance to pick, what, what do you do if you're the Jets? Do you reach and take a Lamar Jackson at six? Or do you take the best available player at six and go with the next tier quarterback in the second round? And if you do go with that second tier guy, who are some of the quarterbacks that you would that you're keeping an eye on that might be second or third round guys who could be uh, you know, who might have some uh, some pro potential? It's a tough question for me to answer because I'm still pretty uh, early on in my quarterback studies. And in terms of you know, I do like Jackson as like a, a second-round guy. I don't think he'll go in the second round, nor do I think he should go in the second round. I would love to have him in the second round, though. But in terms of some other guys, you know, I watched a little bit of Mike White film. I think he's okay. I think he processes things decently well. I saw, I saw him, uh, you know, read defenses well, throw a spot concept well, hit the flat. You know, kind of uh, – Mark Schofield put out a, a, a video film review of him, and 
they ran the spot concept, which is a staple of the Patriots playbook. And the way that um, Mike White moved the defense, you know, he uh, put the man, set the man in motion and, you know, tipped him off that it was man coverage. And it was the safety who was tracking the, the running back who was hitting the flat route across the field. And, you know, you, you read that as a quarterback, you know there's no way that a safety is going to get over in time to cover a flat route. Because you know, he's got a, you know, he's got all these linebackers and stuff, and all this traffic in the way, and the way that White read that and hit the flat route was, you know, that that was a Tom Brady esque type of play, and I'm I'm quoting the great Mark Schofield right there. So, you know, just watching a little bit of him, okay, you know, he could be a day two ish type of guy. You know, Kyle Lauletta was uh, the talk of um, the town at um, at the Senior Bowl. And I watched some of his film, and you, you, you can see some things in, on his film that, that's nice and promising. You know, he he showed um, some nice release angles. You know, he had a couple uh, passes batted early in the game, but then he did some things with pump fakes and stuff that, you know, showed you that he could throw the defense off and stuff. And he showed that a, he's a quarterback that can learn throughout the, the process of the game. The defense is giving him this. This is how I can counter it. And you want those types of quarterbacks because you want a guy who's going to get stronger as the game goes on in the final closing moments of the game. Um, but, you know, it seems like he whittles under pressure a little bit. And speaking of whittling under pressure, I mean, you want to talk about a guy whose draft stock has plummeted? It's uh, the Washington State quarterback who's, geez, his name's slipping my mind at the moment right now. Luke People Paul. are comparing him to Kirk Cousins. Luke Paul. People are comparing him to Kirk Cousins. The moment I turned on his tape last year, I was never a fan. He doesn't have a strong arm, for sure. Um, people say he, you know, he reads defenses really well and stuff, but the dude just totally whittles under pressure and kind of has like a pop gun arm, pop gun arm by my standards. So I don't really like him all that much. Honestly, those three guys that I just named, my elementary level of film that I've done thus far in them, I wouldn't be comfortable with taking any of them in the second round. Definitely not the first round. Um, I mean, I would definitely take Jackson, but the thing is you don't take Jackson at six. I don't want to take Jackson at six. I like Jackson. If you could trade back in the first round, mid-first round, maybe mid-late first round, I would take Jackson then with the addition of a couple extra picks. I would be comfortable with that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's funny. A couple of those things you said, I think I said on last week or the previous week's show, um, it's Jackson, I like the idea. Again, I, I said, if, if you can't get uh, – if, if the guy you want is there at six – and you want to trade down and add a couple of first-rounders, like, say, for example, the Buffalo Bills, which you rarely see the interdivisional trades, but if they're if they're that desperate for a quarterback and there's someone they're, they're happy with and they just aren't, and you want to give us 20 and 21, I'd be fine with taking, uh, with taking Jackson with one of those picks and maybe the best edge rusher on the board, um, whether it's Landy or... You know, what, what do you think, not to get too sidetracked, but this is just a name I would throw out there if you get an additional second that's a little later in the round. What, what do you think of Arden Key? Where, where do you think he goes, and what, what's the highest you would draft him? I like him from what I've seen. I know he works with Chuck Smith. I know he's a very naturally gifted pass rusher. He's a little light in the ass, which kind of reminds me of another LSU pass rusher who was being mocked to the Jets at six a couple of years back, or excuse me, at nine. This is in the 2013 NFL draft, and Scott, his name is slipped in my mind, too. Uh, he was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Help me out here, Glenn. But anyway, was it key key in that regard, no, no, no. Um, God. I know Drew from Jersey was, was very big on him. Super athletic dude, very explosive, but 
you know, just couldn't deal with any type of power rushes. In that sense, he reminds me a little bit of that. But then he's also got the injury history behind it. And I don't want a guy who's constantly on the shelf. And especially if you're light, if you're very light, you know, that's also another indication that you can sustain a lot of injuries. So especially when he gets those bigger tackles on him and stuff, he gets caught up in a couple of piles. I like Keith. I don't think I want to take him at six, to be quite honest. But it, he is Oh, God, no, not six. I, I, meant, I meant in terms of if you get a trade down, if you get him oh. at 21 or 22. Oh, if you can get him at 21, 22, uh, on the surface of it, I mean, he is a true edge rusher. You know, whether or not he's ever going to be an elite edge rusher, that's, that remains to be seen. But he is that, and he, he certainly can become that because he's got a much bigger tool set than the other LSU pass from a couple of years back that I'm talking about. So him at 21-22 from, you know, right at the first thought of it, I'd be kind of cool with that. I mean, I've still got to study the draft a lot more, but um, he's a player. He's definitely got skills for sure. And he's a true edge rusher, which fits an obvious glaring need that you've had for the longest period of time. Yeah, it, it, it's not quite as bad as the quarterback situation, but it's not that far off either. Um, in terms of uh, going back to the original question with the with the, the second round, or not necessarily second, but the, the quarterbacks you could get later in the draft, the first guy you mentioned is probably my favorite of the group, uh, Mike White, who, um, full disclosure, I wasn't that familiar with. Um, and before the season, Eric Galco of Optimus Scouting, who has been beating the Mike White drum all year, uh, mentioned him during the preseason as a guy he thought could be a first-round pick. I think Mike White was hurt by, you know, early on in the season. He uh, apparently they went to a new offense. They switched, uh, they switched up their speed. And through his first four or five games, I don't think he threw more than – I think he made like one or two touchdowns through the first four or five games. And then he just went on a run where every week he was throwing between three and five touchdowns. He's another guy who lit it up, looked really good at the senior bowl. Um, hit on a couple of deep balls. High completion percentage. I saw PFS the other day. He, he had the second highest um, adjusted completion percentage on balls that traveled greater than 20 yards. He was second behind Baker Mayfield. So uh showed this year that he was very accurate throwing the deep ball. Did have some issues uh, throwing the ball on the run. You know, not not the most mobile guy. And uh, he, 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 well, I'm trying to think what I, I was looking at him earlier. He struggled against the blitz, against pressure. He didn't do a great job. Threw off his back foot too often. So things that, you know, maybe you'd be able to fix. But in terms of some of the good that's there, I definitely like him. Um, I, I, I do agree that, excuse me, I do agree about Falk. I, I look into him because, you know, the high completion percentage and, the, you know, the good numbers. But the more you look at him, he looks like kind of a younger version of Ryan Fitzpatrick um, with maybe a slightly stronger arm. But I don't know that that's a guy that you're, uh, you're going to want to take that early in the draft, but, you know, beyond the middle round. Um, Luda, I haven't seen a lot of, but I won't pretend I have. But uh, what, what are your thoughts? One guy I keep hearing a, a, a not-so-favorable comparison. I keep hearing Mason Rudolph being compared to Bryce Hill. I mean, they both came from a, a Big 12 offense that doesn't really run a full route tree, and it's very simple for the quarterback to read those routes. Uh, I haven't watched enough of Rudolph to really be able to say. Um, it seems like he's a better pure passer than Bryce Petty, I would say, but that's not saying much. Um, right. He definitely has cleaner footwork. That's for goddamn sure. I mean, Bryce Petty, that dude couldn't do a three-step drop to save his life. You know, a couple of years into the pros, he still can't do it. So Rudolph right. is definitely, I mean, him getting first-round toss, 
you know, it's, it's definitely unwarranted. But second, third round, uh, it's not crazy to say that about him. But Bryce Petty in the fourth round, you know, he deserved to go no higher than that. So definitely naturally talented. You know, Rudolph is, is definitely better in that regard. But, you know, Big 12 offense is it's weird sometimes, you know. Apparently, uh, what's his name, uh, Ted Wynn, he does a lot of work for Inside the Pylon and stuff. And he talked about uh, how Patrick Mahomes, the type of offense that he was in at Texas Tech, he had, you know, as Ted Wynn said, and he, he's a really good expert in those guys, a lot of college responsibility. I mean, his college responsibilities were more than, you know, some pro playbooks. Now, that might be hyperbole or whatever, but he was running a lot right. of style stuff. stuff. He, he had to do a lot of things. And, and your boy Galco, he was really high on – I remember you guys had him on, and he was super high on Mahomes last year. And that was one of the reasons why. He was, yeah. He was uh, – he, he, and, and that, that was why I, I kept an eye on Mike White because the last two years um, – Eric Galco, he nailed the couple. His preseason guy to go in the first round two years ago was Paxton Lynch, and then his preseason guy last year was Mahomes, and then this year it was White, who I think with a strong combine, I wouldn't be shocked if he went in the second round. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked either. And go back to your point about White. I mean, you're talking about how he finished his college career strong, and Mark Schofield said the same exact thing. And, you know, in terms of his opinion about quarterbacks, I probably trust him more than just about anybody else out there. And on that notion of finishing your college career strong, think about that. That says a lot more than starting your career strong. And I don't think that Christian Hackenberg started his career strong, but that was the narrative. Christian Hackenberg, oh, he had such a great first year under Bill O'Brien. And then, you know, the new coach came in and just, you know, made him crap the bed. Even if that right. was true, and I don't think it's entirely true, I think Christian Hackenberg was pretty steady his entire career. It says a lot more that the quarterback has grown throughout the years. I'm, I'm – Still very early on in my Kirk Cousins film analysis, and the reason I'm doing that is I really do think the Jets are going to sign him despite this Vikings rumors and stuff. And the first three games I'm in, Kirk Cousins is bad. His first three starts in 2015, he was bad. But you put on his 2017 tape, the O-line is not as good, the receivers are not as good. The dude got better. And I don't care what the numbers say. In terms of what he was asked to do, he was better. He showed growth. From the moment that he entered the NFL, he showed growth. Christian Hackenberg has shown no growth. And in terms of Mike White, we've seen some him run some post-style concepts. Seems like he's got some semblance of an arm talent. So you want to see a guy who is progressive. And that's a, that's a promising sign. Yeah, he threw – I have the numbers here now. Mike White last year, through his first five games, here is touchdown total for his first five games. one zero one. No, sorry. One zero zero one zero. He had two touchdown passes in the first five games. From game six onward, his touchdown totals were five five two zero three five two two. So I mean, clearly a really bad start to his season in terms of getting the team in the end zone. But uh, settling in a new offense, once he got comfortable, he did a great job. Talked about the PFF deep throw numbers. Talked about the performance at the Senior Bowl. Um, I think he's better than people realize, and I think that if he does enough at the combine, he could uh, he could sneak up a little bit. I've seen him mocked anywhere from I think the highest I've seen I've seen him fourth and fifth at the moment, fourth round, fifth round. I don't think there's any way he left in the fifth round, um, and I'd be surprised if he made it to the fourth. But uh, you know, time will tell. We'll see how that goes. But thanks a lot for joining us, Kyle. Really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we look forward to having you on again again sometime soon. All right. 
Thanks, Glenn. Take care, brother. All right. Take care. And that was Kyle Smith, AFC East Bros, for uh, thank him for joining us. It's uh, oh, it sounds like Kyle's still there. Hello. All right, I think he's gone. There we go. So, again, some thoughts on the quarterbacks. There are some some highly touted guys, but you're always going to have those mid-round, late-round quarterbacks. We talk all the time about how quarterbacks taken outside the top three and four and five, those are, those are you guys that are winning Super Bowls. It's not always the guy that goes to the number one overall pick, number two overall pick. You know, could that change this year? Of course it could. You know, you've got Donald Rosen, Mayfield, all, all the names. We all know them. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. You know, who's to say that uh, Kyle Aluto or Mike White isn't as good or better than some of those guys? We'll only know in time. Lamar Jackson, also like him a lot. Like I said, I think I said on last last week's show, uh, when I watch him play, I feel like I feel like he's he's the last guy I want my team to face out of that group of quarterbacks because he's somebody you can't game plan for. And you know, the talk of him buying, being a wide receiver is is ridiculous. There's no reason, especially given the shortage of quality quarterbacks in the league, you would take a guy who can do what he can do with his arm and his legs, and, and you move that guy. You know, injury concerns, absolutely. Anytime you have a guy who takes off and runs as often as he does, he doesn't have a huge frame, you know, you're going to be concerned about injuries. But at the same time, you don't take a guy with that kind of talent and move him to wide receiver, That and that's not going to happen. It's You know, a couple people have said it. That's fine. Everyone's got their own opinions. Uh, I would I would bet the ranch that uh, that doesn't happen. You know, now if, he, if he's drafted as a quarterback and he bombs – you know, if he uh, if he just can't get out of his own way, which you know we've seen it with, happen with prospects all the time. If he gets to that point, yeah, he's lucky he's got a fallback. You know, he can say, all right, uh, you know, a la Terrell Pryor. You know, a few years as a quarterback didn't work out, moving to receiver, and uh, and he's a guy who could probably probably be a playmaker, no matter where you put him, as long as you get the ball in his hands. So more to come. Combines coming, draft is coming. Free agency, you know, of course, we'll be combined and free agency, followed by the draft. Guys are going to rise and fall between now and then. There'll be plenty to talk about. A uh, bit of an impromptu show tonight. The plan was to do tomorrow night's show, and uh, I got word yesterday, late yesterday evening, that Kimberly was going to be able to join us, and she had a. It had to be today because, of course, she's getting ready to go to the combine, and we wanted to get her on because, as I said. You're not going to get many people that uh, that had access to Kirk Cousins, while also you know at that same person who had extended access <clears throat> or access to the Jets for an extended period of time. So perfect guest to talk about an important topic, and uh, we'd like to thank her once again for joining us, and Kyle Smith as well. That's going to wrap things up for us tonight. Thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to joining you guys again in the near future. Have a great night, Jets fans. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.